Well, welcome to church. I'm so glad that, yes, let's go, babe. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day. If there's a mom sitting next to you, would you just pat her on the back? Big, 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 big honor, love, and respect for you and to you for holding it down when your home feels chaotic. Am I the only one who sometimes has a home that feels chaotic? To you for giving up money and sleep and bathroom breaks and personal time for those children of yours. For being a maid and an Uber driver, a personal chef, a personal stylist, a nail artist, a hair artist, a cheerleader, a therapist in your home. You're the real MVPs. You're the real, true MVPs in the room. And to my mom who's tuning in behind that camera from Florida, I love you, mama. You've been my greatest friend biggest cheerleader, and I always need you, so stick around for another 30 years, all right? <laughs> to my son who's here, who made me a mama, I see you, boy. You're mine and I'm yours forever and ever and ever and ever. There's a special group of moms that's here in the room today, and that is the group of single moms. I know how you feel today because for 18 years before I met my husband, Marcus, I was a single mama on duty 24-7. And if you're like me, this moment is kind of awkward because it's a strange reminder that you are something that you never wanted to be. So if you're comfortable today, would you stand to your feet and allow us to give you proper honor for the thankless job that you do. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. There's a special gift that we have for all the single mamas at the front desk on your way out. So please make sure that you stop by and get that gift from us to you. To all the adult children, the grown folk who have mamas, you came to church today just because she wanted you to. God bless your life. I want to suggest that maybe your mom wanted you to be in the building today, but perhaps God has a plan to speak to your heart in a way that will also refresh you and revive you. And then there's a group of some of us in the room today. It's not a happy day for us. It took us everything we had to wake up this morning and to drive to get here. This day might be triggering because maybe your mom wasn't good to you. Maybe you've recently lost your mom, or maybe you grew up without a mom, or maybe you're a mom who lost a child. Maybe you want to be a mom, but here's another Mother's Day and no babies. God sees you. 
He sees you and he's here with you. And I pray the God of comfort and peace would hold you close today and that he would breathe his life into you. May the Holy Spirit give you joy instead of sorrow, gladness instead of mourning. May the God of revival cause you today to be renewed as you hear his word. Church, we've been talking a lot about this word revival lately. If you've been around for any number of weeks, you hear us talk about that all the time. Revival is here and revival is exciting and it's exciting to sing about the breath of God and our bones singing, great are you Lord and all of that. But just because revival is here doesn't mean everything is perfect. Not in my life, not in yours. Perhaps some of us today here, we feel like the prophet Ezekiel. We've got this valley of dry bones that we're looking at. And we're wondering, can these bones live again? And I'm here to tell you that it's possible. It's possible for you to have revival in your valley today. So would you turn or click in your Bibles with me to Ezekiel chapter 37? We're going to stand together as we read the word of God. Now, this is my Bible. I believe in paper Bibles. It's really good to open up the Bible and read, except for I didn't bring my glasses on stage. And I'm 47. And so (laughs) I need reading glasses. So what we're going to do is we're just going to read it in big font, 18 points on my computer. Ezekiel 37, we're going to read verses 1 through 10. The Lord took a hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. And he led me all around and among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. And then he asked me, son of man, Can these bones become living people again? Oh, sovereign Lord, Yahweh, I replied. You alone know the answer to that. And then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the Lord, the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord Yahweh has to say. Look, I will put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. And then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly, as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. And then I watched muscles and flesh formed over the bones. The skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath. And then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. Woo! Speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. Speak a prophetic 
message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds and breathe into these dead bodies so that they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me and breath came into their bodies. They came to life and stood on their feet, a great army. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this day. You alone know what each one of us are facing. Oh God, you alone know the condition that we find ourselves in. You alone know the outcomes to the prayers we've been praying over and over and over again. And as we come to your word, God, we acknowledge your sovereignty over it all. We thank you, God, that from cover to cover of this word, you've been reaching out for humanity, stretching out your love, sending your mercy. And today, God, I pray that it would be no different. Would you come and breathe so that we might live again? Amen. You can be seated. This is the sound of dry bones rattling. This is the praise make a dead man walk again. The title of my message today is Live Again, Revival in the Valley. For context, in the middle of a war between kings, Ezekiel is taken into captivity and forced from his home in Judah to Babylon. Now for a little bit of context here, Babylon would be like the Dallas Cowboys, the heathens. <laughs> and Judah would be like the Washington Commanders, the righteous. And there has been this rivalry and this war going on and Babylon overtakes the righteous. After three waves of de deportation, all of Jerusalem has been exiled. And on top of that, before Ezekiel and his wife could even have kids, she dies suddenly. You talk about a nation and a man with PTSD. I just want to curl up in a ball and cry myself to sleep. But God keeps speaking to Ezekiel and he keeps prophesying to this nation that is physically alive, but spiritually dead. And some of us in this room, we walked in here with breath in our lungs. We're physically alive, but we're spiritually dead. This nation is spread out and separated from each other. They are living among strangers. They've lost hope. They've given up on the idea that they could ever be the revived nation that they once were. They doubt if Yahweh is even really the Lord anymore. If he's God, why would he allow this? So bitterness and resentment begin to cloud their heart. Disobedience to God ensues. Idolatry becomes rampant, and they have resigned themselves to this dead, dry, disconnected way of life. We'll just be exiles in Babylon forever. So when in Babylon, we'll do what the Babylonians do. But God is sovereign. 
And in his mercy, he has a redemption plan for this nation. Even in their sin, he pursues them. And the first thing that stands out to me in this text is we see God leading Ezekiel. He says, come on over here, son. Look at this valley filled with bones that cover the ground. And he walks him back and forth and up and down and back and forth. He says, study these bones, son. You see how dry they are? You see how disconnected they are? And standing in that valley, looking at the lifeless bones, God asks Ezekiel, what do you think, son? Can these bones live again? After all that Ezekiel and his nation have been through, he answers as honestly as any of us could possibly, I don't know but I know that you do. Why does God do that to us? Why does he lead us to look at dead things in our life, looking at the wounded places in our soul? Why does he make us take honest inventory of our dry condition without him? Why does he want us to be honest with him about the parts that we so hide from him? Perhaps as we question God, He's asking us a series of questions too. Son, daughter, why is it so difficult for you to look at these things? Is your faith informed by what you see or or by what I say about what you see? Don't you trust that I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age? When God starts asking us questions, church, It's not because he does not know the answer. He usually wants to show us something about ourselves and reveal to us something about him. Look at the dry bones. Can they live again without me? It's hard to be led by God to look at things that aren't pretty. But I believe that God wants to remind us today that he is with us as he leads us through our valley. He is for us, and if he is for us, who can be against us? He wants us to know that we can give him our I don't knows because he is able. I'm so glad that the good shepherd is holding my hand. He's leading me because if he's leading me, that means that there is a way out, a way through, and a way forward. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. And if you are with me, I'm good. When God is setting the stage for revival in our lives, he calls our attention to the thing that he wants to revive. And he says, watch this. Because revival begins when the thing, revival doesn't begin when the thing is revived. Revival begins when the thing is still dead. And because Jesus doesn't stay in dead places, that means wherever he's leading me to, he will also lead me through. So your prodigal looks like they're never coming home. Revival begins when it's dead. The doctor says that you'll never conceive. Revival begins when it's dead. Shame has you locked in addiction and pain. Revival Revival begins when it's dead. Your marriage looks like it's over. There's no hope. Revival begins when it's dead. 
I have a question for us. What promise has God made to you that you've given up on? What ship has sailed in your life? What has fractured your faith? Where do you need to invite the God of the universe to come and lead you again? We cannot have revival without the reviver. As long as he's leading me, he'll always be with me. God, we thank you that you lead us, that you are able and that you are with us. The next thing I see in this text is God tells Ezekiel to prophesy to these bones. He says, tell them, listen here. This is what the sovereign Lord has to say. Not what I have to say, not what my mama has to say, but this is what the sovereign Lord has to say. I am going to put breath into you and make you live again. I am going to connect all of these bones, tendons, and muscles, cover it up with skin, and then you will know that I am the Lord. So Ezekiel... He's like, say less. He obeys. And like a successful game of telephone, he repeats exactly what God said. You know that game where someone says something and by the 10th person it ain't right? Ezekiel won the game of telephone because he spoke exactly what he heard the Lord say. Now I know. Now I know. Now I know that you're with me. Now I know that you're able. Now I know that you're leading me. And now I'm confident because I'm prophesying your word. Now prophecy, it's like a high and lofty word. I know some of us in this room are like, prophecy, prophesy. What is that? What does that look like? Maybe it's just reserved for prophets like Ezekiel or the Old Testament major prophets. And yes, there is a gift that God gives to men and women who uniquely and consistently hear from God on the behalf of someone else. But in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, it says, let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. To prophesy is to just speak what we, got, we hear God say. Sometimes it's to another person, and sometimes it's to the dry bones. We see Ezekiel repeating what God has already said. He prophesied the word of God to the bones. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm going through a valley, when I'm discouraged, when I'm tired, when I've had a bad week, a bad month, maybe some of us, we've just had a bad year, I just want to call my mama or my best friend and lament and tell them all of my woes and all of my problems and I'd love for them to commiserate with me. But sometimes, and sometimes we need that. Sometimes we need to get it out. But most of the time, we need to lean in close to the Holy Spirit and set our hearts on the listen and repeat cycle. Listen to what he says and repeat it. Listen to what he says and repeat it. Listen to what he says and repeat it. And some of us need to pick up our paper Bible and open it up and read and repeat and read and repeat and read and repeat. 
And then I can call my mom and say, guess what the Lord said to me today? Guess what he said? I want to prophesy the word of God. We have to make a practice of telling our dry bones what the Lord says, not what we think, not what we want, not what we hope for, but what the Lord has to say. The power is in the word of God. Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. And when it goes out, it cannot return void. What dry bones in your life need to hear the word of the Lord? What parts of your soul need to be reminded of the word that God has spoken over your life? Where have you given up on God's word? Where have you stopped praying, hoping, and trusting? And what would it look like if we started speaking God's truth over the valley of our dry bones? What if we chose his perspective over our doubt and our fear? What if we stopped praying for a specific outcome and started putting the full weight of our expectation into the word of God? And what we see next is quite miraculous. The bones hear and obey the word of the Lord. I love a good sound effect, so this gets me really excited. The rattling of bones clanking against each other come together and form complete skeletons. Did you know that there are 206 bones in the adult human body? Imagine the scene before Ezekiel's eyes hearing a rattle that's echoing through the valley, hundreds of thousands of bones moving into formation, responding to the prophetic word of the Lord. And then tendons and cartilage and muscle and veins, organs and systems, too many to name, came into order laying there on the ground, organized neatly but not making any sound. Because all of the things that you've just heard me say mean absolutely nothing unless the breath will obey. Y'all are my hype crew. Come on, bars. Let's go. Ah, verse eight, we've got a problem because all of this has come together, but like Pastor AJ alluded to earlier, they're wrapped up, they got good, new, smooth, tight skin, oh, to have new, smooth, tight skin again. If you're a woman over 40, you feel me? You appreciate the maker of Spanx? Sorry, guys. It's Mother's Day. So sorry about that. <laughs> These bodies, they, they look like people again, but they're still breathless, spiritless, and powerless. They're just corpses waiting for breath. And church, we can have everything organized. We can try to figure it all out, put systems in place, go to small group, come to prayer shield, go to Bible study, church on Sunday, church on Wednesday, conferences, take the membership classes. We're going through all the motions and it looks like a really nice form of godliness. But unless we have the spirit of God, we are powerless corpses waiting for breath. We can come in here with the latest fashion trends, 
By the way, this wide leg fashion trend, like bell bottom thing that's coming back, I don't think I'm rocking with it, but I tried today. Anyway, <laughs> we can come in here with nails done, hair done, everything did on the outside, but if the Spirit of God is not flowing on the inside, then we lack the power that's necessary to live again. And then God tells Ezekiel, I got something for that. Heavenly CPR, the Ruach of God, the breath, the spirit, the winds. In other words, ask for my spirit that governs the four corners of the earth to come from every direction and send marrow back into these bones. Right where they are, send blood back through their empty veins and cause oxygen to fill their lungs. Again, we literally see revival in this valley. And friends, the only way that we can live again is to live a life empowered by the Spirit of God, to make confession and repentance and time in his presence a routine part of our day. Because when we've got the Spirit of God, we have the power to get up out of the valley This nation who has been dead and disconnected, it's been a long, 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 long time. And they all of a sudden stand on their feet. A revived great army, what a miracle. But the miracle wasn't just for that individual. The miracle was for the entire people group. And why does God want us to live again? Why does he want us to be revived in our valley? It's not just so that we can live a spirit-empowered, good little life and make it to heaven. It's so that we can share his breath with others. There are people in your lives around you right now. You go to the hair salon and the grocery store. You frequent the gym. You go to all these places and there are people that are walking dead around you. The breath of God is in you and he's asking you, would you give them CPR? Let them know that my breath is here. As I talk about all of these bones and bones coming into alignment, it makes me think of the first time I ever went to the chiropractor. Some of you laugh. I don't know what that's about, but shout out to Dr. John, who's here today. Uh, <clears throat> I was very skeptical, um, but I was desperate because I was walking through a valley of my own dry bones. My husband and I felt like God has promised us, had promised us a biological baby. Yet I had just suffered two back-to-back -back miscarriages. It felt like the promise that God had given us had died. And I heard somewhere, probably on a podcast or a blog, that misalignment in my body could have something to do with my ability to like carry life. I was believing God and trusting him, and so I was like, well, hey, I'll try it. So I walked into the, to his office and I said, hey, I don't like chiropractors, just tell you that up front. That's not the thing you say when you walk into a doctor that you're asking to help you. And I said, so I need you to crack my bones. And he said, welcome. He was so gracious. I'm so glad you're here. I'm sorry to disappoint you right up front, 
but we don't crack bones here. We adjust them. And we don't break bones, we align them so you can live again. What I learned after he explained my x-rays was that my alignment was way off. Uh, my bones were reaching out for each other. That's called a bone spur, and that's bad. <laughs> I certainly wasn't in the best position to carry the weight of life inside of me. But after a few adjustments, I got pregnant. It's like, whatever God wants to use, let him use it. Even though I was holding on to the promise that God had given us, doubt still filled my heart. How do I know this won't end like the others? I heard the voice of God say to me so clearly, this one will live. You'll hold this baby in your arms. So I continued to see the chiropractor stay in good alignment. First trimester, like a giant Jenga puzzle, the blocks of hope came crashing to the ground. When signs of miscarriage showed up, I rushed to the doctor, take my blood, look at my numbers. And I cried tearful, painful tears when she looked in my eyes and said, your numbers aren't looking good. All of your symptoms point to miscarriage. I really want you to be prepared that this might not be a viable pregnancy. That sweet God-fearing doctor shared with me honestly about the condition of my dry bones, and I appreciate her and all of the doctors who lovingly tell us what the science has to say. But she didn't get to tell me whether or not my baby would live or die because the God who governs the four corners of the earth gave me a promise that this one will live. And so in the face of numbers that are falling and symptoms that are perpetual, I trusted the word of the Lord. Dry bones, you listen up. You hear the word of the Lord. You hear it. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on this slain body, this fallen humanity, this frail, weak flesh. God, would you breathe? I continued to get on that chiropractic table and pray and ask for the spirit and take my vitamins and trust God. And as I waited, still seeing signs of miscarriage, I also saw the breath of God causing my baby to come alive. At every ultrasound, every month, I'd see him forming and growing and shaping my baby that he told me would live. God was keeping his promise to me. God is going to keep his promise to you too. He is not a respecter of persons. What he will do for me, he will do for you. He is a good, good father who superintends over not so good situations, but he is God. Here's the good news for all of us. Before any of us were even a thought in our parents' minds, Jesus himself got on a chiropractic table called the cross. 
where he stretched himself out and aligned himself with the will of the Father. And they didn't break his bones because the prophecy says not a bone will be broken. You see, during a normal crucifixion, they would break the knees of the person on the cross to hasten their death, but Jesus snatched them keys up and triumphed over death. He said, give me them keys so Tiffany can live. Give me them keys so Miata can live. Give me them keys so Tara can live. Give me those keys. He superintended over, the, over his own death so that we could live again. And three days later, the Spirit of God raised him up out of the grave, breathing eternal life into anyone who would accept him as Jesus, as Lord, as Savior. Friends, my blood work that day lied to me because I'm holding a baby She's six now. She's not a baby. (laughs) Hey, Taya. But Jesus' blood work never lies. He always keeps his promise to a thousand generations. From Adam until he returns for us. He'll lead us if we let him. Will you let him lead? He'll give us his word. Will you listen? He'll align us with his purpose, with his will. Will you let him? He'll send his spirit if you ask.